Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is dedicated by Devorah's Lochshah in memory of her beloved brother-in-law, Meshulam Farvish ben Meir HaKohen. The third Masechta and Seder Taharot is Masechet Negaim, which outlines the various types of Tzara'at. Interestingly, the Mishnah never uses the term Tzara'at or Tzarua and only refers to the Mitzorah at the end of the Masechta in the discussion of the purification ritual. The term used consistently in this Masechet is Nega, which is often translated as plague, affliction, or mark. In many ways, the terminology is indicative of the contents of the Masechta. In the 14 chapters of Masechet Negaim, the Mishnah's examination focuses in great detail on the Negaim themselves, what they look like, where they are located, who examines them, what determines their status as Tamei or Tahor. At the time of the rabbis, the system of Negaim was no longer operant. Chazal, we're free to imagine a highly structured set of rules and principles. This is consistent in general with much of Seder Taharot, which as we have already begun to see is an exquisitely detailed system. Another outcome of this type of minute focus on classification is a focus away from the person afflicted with Tzara'at. As I mentioned, the term Mitzorah, which describes the person who has Sarat, is used only in the very last chapters of the Masechta in the discussion of the purification rites. Focusing on the details of the Nega'im themselves and not on the individual afflicted puts the disease, not the afflicted person, under the microscope. Masechet Nega'im fits neatly in Seder Tarot as Nega'im are a form of Tumah, of ritual impurity. One who has a nega tame, an affliction that renders them tame, is impure, communicates impurity, and must undergo a procedure of purification. Some aspects of both the impurity as well as the purification procedure are quite unique, while others share characteristics with other forms of impurity. In addition, when it comes to nigaim, there are other sets of halachot that are evoked as well, including various mourning practices. A final note of general introduction, I recommend highly that you study chapters 13 and 14 in the book of Vayikra, the Parshiot of Tazriya and Mensora. The Mishnah will engage directly and indirectly with the contents of these verses. So let's begin with basic terminology. As I said, this Masechta loves categories and typologies, so let's get some of them down. So I want to begin with the categories of the Niga'im. Niga'im fall into three or four major categories. Nig'e Habasar, skin afflictions, there are two types of these. Nig'e Harosh Vahazakan, Niga'im that appear on the head or beard, two types of these as well. Nige habeger, afflictions or marks on clothing, and nige habayit, nigaim that appear on the walls of a house.
starting with Nige Habasar. So as I said, there are distinct types of nigaim that appear on a person's body. The first are white discolorations of the skin. The nega will be a certain type or types of white, and it can also have certain types of red mixed in. These skin affiliations include what is referred to as baharet, which is a discoloration, and a se'et or a swelling. The Masechta usually uses the term Baharet to refer to all these types of Negaim. Another type of Nega on the skin is Shechin, a boil or inflamed sore resulting from an injury. And together with that, we discuss Michva, or a burn. The second category of Negaim that are referred to are Nige'e Harosh Vahazakan, afflictions on the head or beard. They include the netek, which is a bald spot where there is normally hair, and karachat and gabachat, which are bald areas on the front of the head or the back of the head, and they are afflictions for people who are bald. The next general category of nigaim are nigei habeged, nigaim affecting garments. These include woven garments of wool or linen, as well as garments made from animal hides. The final category are nigei batim, which as I already mentioned, are nigaim that appear on the walls of a house. So let's move on to the symptoms or simanim of the nigaim. Each one of the categories I mentioned above have unique symptoms, and there are symptoms that also cross all the categories, which will indicate that the nega is Tame. For the Ni'ige Habasar, okay, when we're talking about the Baharet, again, those white discolorations that may or may not have red mixed in, the symptoms of a Nega being Tame are the appearance of two white hairs in the middle of the discoloration, the spreading of the Nega from its initial site to a larger expanse of skin, or a michya, raw flesh developing within that spot. For the second type of nigei habasar, shechin or michva, again, we have the appearance of two white hairs as a siman, the spread of the nega, and that's it. We don't have michya. Okay, again, that original nega there is not simply a discoloration, but again involves some sort of sore. When it comes to the head, the netek, which is in a place where normally hair would grow, the appearance of two yellow hairs indicates a negatame. In addition, as we will see consistently, spreading of the nega is also an indication of tuma. And for the karachat and gabachat, normally these are bold areas. There won't be any hair growing. So there, the indications of tuma are again spread, spread of the nega, expansion of the nega, as well as michya, that raw flesh developing. Finally, for the nigaim on garments and houses, that too involves a discoloration of an intense green or red, and finally, again, the spreading or enlarging of the nega. Okay, so now that we've indicated the physical signs of a nega and the determination of it as a nega tame, 
I want to move towards the procedure because there's an involved procedure for determining whether a nega is tameh. Some are unique to certain types of negaim and some will cross boundaries. So when someone develops some sort of nega and they want to know whether it's tameh or not, they are going to have it diagnosed or have it looked at by the Kohen who will ultimately determine whether the nega is tameh or not. A nega can be determined as tameh initially for example, with the appearance of those hairs, or after a period of isolation. So, for example, in order to determine whether a nega has spread, which, as we indicated, would indicate a nega tame across all categories, obviously it needs to be looked at at two different times. So it would be looked at initially, and then it would be looked at at the conclusion of one week or two weeks in order to determine if it spread. If it had spread, then the person would be tameh. This period of isolation, which is done in order to determine whether a nega is in fact tameh, is called hesker. Most of the negaim may generate two weeks of hesker. The house could potentially generate up to three and shechin and michva one week. Once these weeks of hesker are up, if the symptoms have not developed further, then the nega is declared tahor and the person is not a mitzorah. If the symptoms of tumah then develop, the person is referred to as a mitzorah muchlat, a definite mitzorah, and is then isolated, enters into the isolation period for a mitzorah. In other words, it's not diagnostic, but it's in fact part of what is done as the procedure. After this period is up, then the person goes through a special tahara procedure in order to be purified. As I mentioned, the declaration of the Kohen is determinative of the person's status. Without the Kohen's declaration, even if ultimately the Kohen uses an expert in order to determine the symptoms, the person is not tamay until the Kohen tells him so. I want to now proceed to a basic outline of the contents of the 14 chapters of this Masechet. Starting with chapter 1, chapter 1 discusses the types of nigaim that appear on the flesh, their colors and shades, and their inspection. Chapter 2 goes on with the conditions for examining the nega. Chapter 3 discusses who can get a nega, who can examine a nega, and the various symptoms of the various nigaim. Chapter 4 compares the symptoms of the various nigaim. As we noted, a few of those symptoms are shared by one or more categories of nigaim, and some of them are unique. Chapter 5 discusses the cases of suffix or doubt, always a concern within halakha. Chapter 6 discusses the shiurim, or the sizes, the minimum sizes for a nega to be problematic, as well as locations on the body where one cannot develop a nega tameh. Chapter 7 discusses nigaim that are in fact tahor. They are non-problematic nigaim. Chapter 8 discusses the phenomenon of the spread of the nega to the entire body. If the entire body is covered with a nega, that will automatically render the person tahor. 
Chapter 9 discusses that second category of nigaim that affect the flesh, shechin and michva. Chapter 10 discusses the nigaim that affect the head and the beard. Chapter 11 discusses nigaim on garments. Chapters 12 and 13 discuss nigaim on houses and how they are dealt with. And chapter 14 finally discusses the purification ritual for someone who has a nega. Let's now learn a Mishnah from this Masechet. Let's look at chapter 2, Mishnah 5, Perak Bet, Mishnah Hey. The Mishnah reads, Kol hanigaim adam ro'eh chutz minigei atzmo. A person can examine all nigaim except for their own nigaim. Rabbi Meir Omer, Aflo krovav. Rabbi Meir says, not even the nigaim of relatives. The Mishnah then continues with other parallels. Kol hanidarim adam matir chutz atzmo. A person may revoke or annul all vows except for their own vows. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Aflo nidre ishto shebeina levena cherim. Rabbi Yehuda adds, a man may not even revoke the vows of his wife that involve a relationship between her and other people, meaning they're not about something between the two of them, but between her and someone else. And finally, kol habechorot adam roah, chutz mi bechorot atzmo. A person may examine all firstborn animals to see if they have a blemish that would invalidate them as sacrifices, except for their own. On the one hand, this Mishnah articulates a rule about who may or may not inspect something to determine its status. But there is a great insight here. After all, we are self-interested beings by definition, and our examination of ourselves, our relationships, our property is of necessity skewed. The Mishnah does not indicate directly whether the suspicion is that we will be overly lenient with ourselves or overly harsh. And it stands to reason that individuals may be biased in either direction. The first statement of the Mishnah may also be and has been read metaphorically. We tend to be blind to or overly forgiving of our own faults while holding others to higher levels of responsibility. I think this is a great example of the larger themes that are embedded in this Masechta. While the Masechta may present as a long, complicated, abstract set of rules, again and again there are incredible insights into human behavior and a great deal of sensitivity to the human condition. For example, the Mishnah emphasizes that a nega will not be declared tameh until it is seen by the Kohen. There are situations in which we push off the Kohen's inspection to allow the individual to continue normal life. For example, we are told in Chapter 3, Mishnah 2, that a groom's nega is not seen until after the conclusion of the week of Sheva Brachot, and negaim are not seen until the conclusion of the holiday. Similarly, a person who suspects a nega on their home is encouraged to empty the house of everything so that the contents of the house will remain tahor. Remember again that when it comes to the laws of Tum'ah, the contents within the walls of uh, Tum'ah also 
get Tuma imparted to them. In this way and many others, Masechet Nigayim gives us a first-hand account of Chazal's concern with the implication of these laws on people's lives. Bahatzlacha and happy learning. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjova.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag YourTorah.